Hello, welcome to the Building a Successful Relationship podcast with the Dating Counselor. My name is Lonnie Harmon, and I am here to help you get through the dating phase. Remember, dating isn't a game, it's a strategy. For a while, I've had in my heart the idea to do a podcast uh, about dating after divorce, and specifically within members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, because I feel like there are some cultural things that happen uh, that can make it even harder than it already is. And so as I've thought through this, I um, spoke with people and tried to uh, help them feel comfortable coming on a podcast and sharing their the highs and the lows. And I'm fortunate enough to have someone here to share their story with you. And we're going to have her remain anonymous because I think that will help retain her confidentiality. Um, but I think her story is very relatable. And the biggest thing I want you to hear is the journey, not necessarily the arrival, because I think we all get really focused on when all of this ends versus like how I got there and what it looked like as I was traveling. I'm so excited for you to listen to this podcast called Dating After Divorce. Hello. Um, so I'm just going to give a little background. Uh, I grew up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, born and raised, baptized in the church. Um, I grew up kind of in the western side of the United States, and I, I've i been active my whole life. I mean, there's been moments of, you know, times of questioning and, and different rebellious streaks that I had, um, but I... I've been, I would say, pretty active since since childhood, and um, I come from a family of seven children. Being raised in a family that held the values of the church, um, I feel like some, marriage was always something that was very highly encouraged, and I, I looked at the example of my parents a lot. You know, they had a great marriage. However, <laughs> they didn't ever fight in front of us, so that was always something that I thought, like, you know, later on, maybe that would have been good to see some conflict and resolution there. But I always had the desire to get married and have children, you know, and I had sisters that got married super young, like 19, 20. And so that kind of, in my mind, was the norm, like, okay, I need to get married or I'm going to be an old maid, you know. So, and I'll say, like, in my case, that pressure to get married so young, I think kind of pushed me into getting married prematurely because it was like, oh, well, I'm dating this guy and he had gone on a mission. And by the time he got home, I think I was 20. And so I thought, okay, well, the next step, like I'm 20, it's it's time to get married. Like let's, Mm -hmm. instead of like maybe thinking, taking a step back and thinking about things, you know, a little bit deeper. I just was like, yeah, the next step, we're going to get married and we'll live happily ever after. And that's kind of the mindset I think I had at that time. Where did you meet your... So where I lived, um, it wasn't in Utah. So there weren't a ton of LDS kids. So we would have these tri-stake dances and it was something that we would look forward to, you know. And so he was actually from a different stake than I was. And we met at one of these dances, and I was 16, he was 18, and we dated for about, I think, a year and a half, and then he left on his mission, and then came back, and we continued to date before getting married. So he was, like, my first, he wasn't my first date, but, like, one of the first. We, um, we went on dates like mostly in groups to start that was kind of ingrained in me like you don't want a single date like I was only 16 barely Mm -hmm. Um, but then I think we just kind of got too serious too fast yeah within like a few months and like and I think looking back I'm like a lot of the times we would just like I was choosing to hang out with him maybe over some friends Mm -hmm. you know and like just wanting to go off on our own and and so looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I would have just spent more time, you know, with my girlfriends and really invested in those relationships. Mm-hmm. The group of 
friends that I had, they were all super boy crazy. Mm -hmm. So around the time that I met um, my ex, they were all kind of finding boyfriends Mm -hmm. and becoming serious. And so I was like, you know, I gotta, yeah, like I need to have a boy by my side, you know? So there was that pressure. And then I think just like being an insecure teenager, it felt really nice to have someone give me lots of attention. Mm -hmm. And so kind of feeding off of that and like, Yeah, I think a lot of it had to do with insecurities. After we had dated for about a year and a half, um, he left on his mission, and I was still in high school. So I think this was my senior year. (laughs) So I was kind of, I kind of bit myself in the butt a little bit because I had kind of set some of my friendships to the side while I focused on this relationship. So then I was, you know, kind of lonely that senior year and you know like senior prom was happening and I didn't have my boyfriend and it was kind of luckily this boy from choir asked you know it was just kind of it was hard it was honestly really hard when he was on his mission but it was also I think a good growing experience for me now looking back and um, I did you know I did have some friends that you know I still did things with and and so then my parents you know, they were concerned about me dating this boy so seriously. So they really, really, really wanted me to go to um, BYU-Idaho. They didn't want me to stay home and go to the state school. So I went to BYU-Idaho after graduating. (laughs) That's my baby laughing in the background, by the way. I went to BYU-Idaho and had a great experience. And I was on the, the winter summer track. So I was planning on staying, and I I went home for the break. And then when you're at BYU-Idaho, it's kind of a long break. It's like five months. And in that time, he actually came home from his mission early because he injured his ankle. So that gave us time to kind of rekindle our relationship before I thought, you know, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to come home after I was already back to BYU-Idaho. Mm-hmm. Part of me wanted to stay there, but I think the pull of, like, we just had, you know, it's that young love. It's hard to explain, but you're just, like, so drawn to that person. Anyway, I when he got back, I decided to stay, and I applied for the state school. I got a scholarship there, and so um, school is, like, paid for, which was nice. And we dated for a few months. So he got he got home in, like, in August, and I think... By, like, April, we were engaged. So it was, like, fast. Like, everything moved pretty fast. And I think that was because, you know, I think a lot of that was the physical stuff. Like, we, you know, we were young and we wanted to be together. And so um, I think that along with the pressure of, like, thinking getting married young was, like, the ideal, I think that was, like, kind of the driving forces that pushed, that that got us... (laughs) got us to that I don't know if the mission was like his main focus because here because this is another thing that I look back on and I'm like oh, okay there were some like red flags that were up that I didn't really think about like he got a cell phone cell phones were kind of new for missions at that time this was like I think 2007 or something when he came home so he had a cell phone and he would just call me every single day on this mission and like there were times we talked three or four hours Mm -hmm. at night like Mm -hmm. and so I think coming back his mindset was like coming back to me I don't I don't know how how much of a focus he had on this mission because on one hand it's like oh this is so flattering like Mm -hmm. he's breaking the rules to talk to me like Mm -hmm. you know but on the other hand like deep down I was like this is kind of like I wish he was taking things more seriously with his mission and Mm -hmm. like you know, writing him, I would be like, tell me stories, you know, I want to hear, like, your experiences and, you know, spiritual moments that you've had. And, like, a lot of it was, like, I miss you, like, I want to come back to you, sending me pictures of himself, like, not dirty pictures, but, you know, just, like, selfies mm-hmm. or whatever. So, yeah, I don't I don't know exactly where his mindset was, but... Or maybe they feel like, yeah, they'll just be excluded or people won't look at them the same way. Mm-hmm. And maybe we've come, you know, away since then. I feel like as a culture, maybe we've progressed a little bit. Going into getting married, um, I talked a little bit about the pull we had to, like, be physical. And um, 
we ended up doing a few things and this is getting kind of vulnerable, but we did a few things that, you know, were contrary to my belief system and, you know, the standards of the church. So, um, it was hard. I had to have a co- some hard conversations with my parents and talk about how, you know, I probably wouldn't be getting married in the temple. And that was like, they, there was no way that they were going to want to let me ever get married in the temple. They're like, just wait a year. And it's like, when you're already in that mode, it's like waiting a year seems like an eternity. Mm-hmm. So, um, we ended up getting married, um, just civilly. We had a, you know, um, a ceremony in my parents' pretty backyard and a reception. But I think there was, I would say there was a little bit of a dark cloud over it. And um, I remember my dad, before I went down the aisle, the first thing he said to me was, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. Like, and that, my dad doesn't usually say those things, but I think he was sensing, like, maybe this wasn't the right choice in the t- at the time. But, you know, when you're in that moment and you have the dress on and friends and family are out there waiting and, it, you know, it's just there was no going back um, at that moment. But I, I wouldn't say it was like a super happy time as I was preparing for the wedding. I think there was a little bit of a pit in my stomach. I think subconsciously I knew like this is probably not the right thing to do. But I couldn't I don't think I could explain it at the time. But I think looking back, I'm like so much of it is is clearer in my mind. I think I felt a little bit tarnished because of the things we had done together. I felt like no one else would ever want me, that I wasn't deserving of love at that point. And so I might as well, like, this is my, this is my future. So everything is kind of taboo in the church culture. You feel like you can't really talk about these things. And so it was all just like, I didn't really have anyone to share these thoughts with. It was like, everything was done, you know, privately. And like, I just felt like I was kind of an internal struggle where I didn't feel comfortable, like talking to my parents about it or, you know, cause like we never even had the sex talk. <laughs> like, I'm not saying it went that far, but it was like talking with my parents really wasn't an option. Or just even having the confidence to say no and Mm -hmm. to stop someone. I think when you're young, like, it's really hard. A lot of times you just go, you know, go with the flow. And, like, you know, you're kind of taught to be a people pleaser a little bit. And so, like, being able to just stand up for yourself and be like, no, stop. Like, I don't want to do that. I think that's very powerful. Wish that was something that I had. So we got married. And then we got our own apartment. Um, We were both going to school at the time and working. He had a pretty good job at the time. Like, he was working full-time. I think I was part-time. And I think it was, like, maybe three months into our marriage that he lost his job. He kind of had a little bit of an anger issue and, anyway, got in an argument with his boss and lost his job. So then I was... Um, trying to support us, going to school, trying to get my husband to to find another job. And so um, that was a lot of stress <laughs> of trying to trying to get him to apply at different jobs and and kind of one of the things that he felt like maybe some certain jobs were beneath him a little bit. And I'm like, let's apply at Kmart, let's go to McDonald's, you know, like it's fine. Um, but he was like, no, you know, anyway. I mean, I would definitely say that there were good moments. Like, I look back and I'm like, you know, there were fun times. Like, it wasn't all bad. But I think just being that young and, like, I kind of missed, like, and thinking back when that, like, early marriage, I was like, oh, you know, I kind of wish, like, because some of my friends were still dating. And I was like, there was a little bit of jealousy there. Like, oh, I kind of wish I had, like, more dating experience because I think I maybe went on dates with, like, two or three other guys. Like, and it was, like, one or two dates before I married him. I think I was kind of feeling a little bit, like, left out, you know, because my friends were, some of my friends were still, you know, dating and doing things. And then, you know, we'd want to get together, but it was kind of like, you're the old married couple now, so, <laughs> you know. And I was only 20, so that's kind of a weird place to be. There was a, there's a pivotal moment. So I, I talked a little bit earlier about being insecure. And one thing I was very worried about um, was having a partner that would turn to pornography. And my sisters, both their husbands had 
small struggles here and there with that. And I was like, well, when I get married, that's never going to happen to me. You know, I'm going to make sure that my husband never does that. So I was so paranoid. It's so embarrassing. But I would like go and, and search through his his internet history. And I don't, I don't know how to explain it really, but there was just this, this paranoia, this feeling like something was lurking that I needed to find out. And I never got any proof, but I just had this nagging feeling. And I would be going out to work late at night to, to provide for us. And I would just feel like this rush to get home. Like, like you need to get home. You don't know what he's doing. And so anyway, we hushed, we hashed it out one night and I was just like, I need you to just be honest with me. And he opened up and told me um, about his pornography issue. And it was really hard for me. I feel like something kind of broke in me when I heard that. And I tried to bring it up later with him, like, okay, after that night, like, let's talk this through. And he was very much closed off, like, nope, this is my problem, like, I'm not going to talk about it. But, like, he didn't really, he wasn't sympathetic to the fact that, like, me finding that out, like, my world was crumbling. Like, I was not okay. <laughs> so, I would say that was the moment that things kind of took a turn for the worse. And then there were definitely other things that were starting to come out. Like, he had made comments like, you know, I'm not so sure about this church principle or this doctrine. And he started to read certain books and things. And I'm like, this is not like, I, I have a strong testimony of the church. Like I, I want someone who is headed on that same path with me. And, um, I should mention we did get sealed in the temple a year after we got married. So at this point we were sealed, but he started making these comments. And then the next thing he said was, you know, I don't know if I ever really want to have children. Like, I feel like maybe I just want like not to have the responsibility and I want to just like be able to go on dates with you and not to have to worry about kids. And in my mind, I'm like, no, having children is like, you know, one of my top priorities. Like I want to have a family. So I would say those were, that's kind of where things started to really take a turn. So that was kind of the turning point. And then things just did not get better. Um, he, he was headed in a much different direction than I was. And then, so there was the pornography. I started to find things on Facebook, like he had added friends that were girls from work, you know, and there'd be texting and things. And I just, I didn't feel good about it. Um, but I also like, never ever envisioned myself getting divorced so it was like this huge tug of war like you know like here's this trajectory of this marriage like in my mind I saw it like not going where I wanted my life to go and also like on the other side of it it's like okay but then if I get if I leave then I'm divorced and I felt like I would have a scarlet letter on you know and it, so it was very much um a challenging time and my family was so loving and supportive through it um when I did make the decision to leave I um my mom came and and packed up my stuff with me and I moved back into my parents home and there's only one singles ward in the town that I grew up in so I went back to um church um to the singles ward and it was like all my friends from high school and like they had known me with my former spouse so it was just, it was a hard time. There were moments where I would be walking down the hall and people would be talking. And then as I would come down the hall, they would stop talking. So it was like, great. Like everyone's talking about me. <laughs> it was just, I was really struggling. And I was in my last semester of school at the time. And I went to the admissions office and said, I cannot do this. I'm dropping out today. And I told, I was like filling out the paperwork. I was like, I can't. Like mentally, I'm not okay. And I had a good friend, a dear friend, who saw me in this moment, took me to the side and was like, she was like, you cannot do this. So I had this dear friend that saw me in this moment and was like, please, please don't do this. Think about how hard you've worked. 
think about, you know, your future. And I, she really felt like me doing this and finishing my last semester of school would help me get through the divorce and would be a, also a good revenge, which was kind of a silly reason. But like, you know, like at the time I was like, yeah, I want to be like a college graduate and like rub it in his face. I decided to stay. I finished my college degree. I did my student teaching. And then I decided to move out to Utah. Um, it just felt like at that moment, like I wanted to go to church, but I also didn't want to like be known as the divorced girl. <laughs> like I, I kind of wanted a fresh start. The dating pool also seemed like it would be bigger in Utah. So at that point, I started looking for teaching jobs in Utah and ended up finding one to teach fourth grade. How would you describe the dating pool? You said, I thought this was going to be the land of milk and honey. How was it? It was a mixed bag, for sure. <laughs> and so this was 2012, mm -hmm. okay, at the time when I came out here. So, like, online dating was, like, a thing, but not, like, as common. Yeah. So I kind of didn't really know many people when I first came out here. So I started experimenting with, like, LDS singles and, you know, trying just trying to meet people. I met a few guys. I started dating. And then I, I started noticing kind of a pattern, like, at the time. Like, guys would see on my profile, like, oh, you're divorced. And I felt like they kind of thought I was, like, someone they could take advantage of. And, like, that was, like, something... You mean, like, like, in what way? I would say, like, physically and emotionally. Like, it led me to getting into a relationship that was not, not good. Like, so, my first relationship after divorce, I met this guy through LDS Singles. It was long distance, so he was, like, on the East Coast going to school. And we started talking, and... He was, like, love-bombing me. <laughs> like, he was just like, you're amazing. Like, you're all I can think about. And he was going to, like, he was a smart guy. He, on his profile, like, said he was very active in the church. All these things. And so, um, I went out, I flew out to meet him. And he was like, yeah, like, I, this is great. You know, things seem to be going well. And then... He he flew out to meet my family. He was very charming, and, like, most of my family, like, loved him, and, like, then he proposed to me. So this is, like, two months after we met. And I'm, like, I feel like I was very, like, in a vulnerable state at that point after, you know, post-divorce. If you take anything away from this, like, please wait a little while before, like, getting into a relationship, because it was, like... I feel like I was just, like, wanting to fix things. And so, like, jumping into the next relationship was, like, my idea of fixing things. So he proposed to me, and I'm, like, you know, kind of off, caught off guard. So I'm, like, yeah, I'll marry you. And my dear mother, she saw through all of it and was, like, there were warning signs that she picked up on. Like, he would kind of keep me away from my family, um, he would always dominate my time. Like, anytime I was not with him, he was calling me or texting me or like, I, there was never a moment where he was not like in my head. And he was like, this is the date we're going to get married. I need you to promise me. And if you go back on your word, then you're, you know, you're lying and you're a liar. And like, it was just very like kind of manipulative. But I was also just like, so wanting that family and like having a marriage. And I was just like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get married. And my mom called me one night. She had just had heart surgery, like, a few weeks before. So she was, like, kind of in a weakened state. But she was, like, up all night thinking about me and, like, worrying about this. And was, like... And the other thing was he wanted me to move out there with him. So it was, like, if I got married, he would have me away from, like, my all of my family. Like, I would be, like, isolated. My mom talked to me. I started to kind of see things that she was seeing. And then my sister actually was like, let's just like, let's take a quiz. Asking you 10 questions to find out if the person you're with is like abusive or something like that. Every single one was answered. He was very just 
controlling is the word. Like, that's the best word for it. Just very controlling. So I ended up getting out of that relationship. So when I broke things off, I was actually visiting. I was visiting him, and I had a feeling like I need to go back home. Like, I need to think about things because I was feeling, you know, like when you're with someone who is this way, I feel like it's hard to think. Like, it's hard to know what are your own thoughts and what are their thoughts. And so I um, I kind of had to get out of that. And I went back home, and I called him and was like, you know, this is this is not okay. Like, I, I just don't feel good about this. And he made things really hard because he had bought a ring, you know, and he made me feel guilty. I sent him back the ring, but he was just, you know... And then later on, after we broke up, he would, like, if he saw something on my Facebook, he'd be like, you're going on a date with someone else? Like, anyway, he was still trying to kind of control me. So I had to just be like, please, like, lose my number. Like, I'm going to remove you from, like, all my socials. Um, I really just had to, like, get away. So that was my first, like, post-divorce relationship. I bet you felt really brave. (laughs) It was kind of empowering. Yeah. Yeah. Like, knowing that, like... Even during this time of being, like, very unstable and, like, vulnerable, I was able, and my family, I credit them so much because I feel like without them, I probably would have just gone through with it because I was so just, like, heartbroken and um, at the time. And so it was. It was kind of a feeling of, like, yeah, I can do this. I can, And then it was also, it opened up the opportunity for me to kind of be on my own for a little while. Mm-hmm. I think that was really good for me, like post-divorce, is having time just to discover myself Mm -hmm. and what I liked. And, like, I made some really good friends. I had five girlfriends, and the six of us rented a house together. Fun. And You kind of got to have your time with your girlfriends still. Yeah, like, and that's something that I feel like I missed out on from, like, high school up until, like, getting married because Mm -hmm. I just paired off so quickly. So yeah, and then I would just like went on. So I want to I want to um, pause here for just one second yeah. and come back to the discovering yourself part that you said. Yeah. Hold on. So I want to hear a little bit more about this journey of discovering yourself post divorce. What did that look like? So, it at first it kind of just looked like making friends. Um, I really was trying to invest in friendships with people, and then that kind of got me going to events and different things um, because it had always been about the boy. And so I wanted this to be about, like, having some really good friends. Um, and so that was kind of my journey at the time. And also, like, I was starting my career. Like, I was teaching, so that, you know, also gave me a boost of confidence. Um, I had some really sweet students. Like, I that time in my life was just, like, it was really good for me. Um, I also went to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I had a great counselor. I went, I think, for like a year. Um, that's my baby snoring in the back. The cutest <laughs> um, I think I, I was like working out. I was going to the gym. I was just trying to do all these things that I'd always wanted to do. Um, did you ever see the movie Runaway Bride? Yes, I did. So I talked about that <laughs> off and on because after I broke off my engagement, I felt like I had this well, what do I even like? What Uh kind of eggs do I like type of experience where I felt like I had to get to know myself again? Did did that happen for you? Oh, yeah, totally. Because it was like, well, we like this and we like that when I was married. And it's like, no, well, what do I like? Mm -hmm. And uh, even just like different types of movies that I liked or, you know, like I found out that I like cooking and, you know, I would experience with different recipes and what was it like for you as you were, as you're kind of discovering yourself to then assert yourself? Like you're with girlfriends now, you're not necessarily with the guy you're trying to please, but growing up in that people pleasing kind of culture and attitude, were you comfortable saying, no, I don't want to go to that movie or I do want to stay home and cook tonight or, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't say at that point that I was completely comfortable with that yet. Like, I feel like I am just now like getting better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I am very much like I've always been a people pleaser. And so, yeah, and even navigating those friendships, there were times where I think, like, I probably should have 
maybe said like, no, this is not okay. And, and I think having the whole roommate dynamic was an important thing for me to experience. It kind of prepares you for marriage in a way. Mm -hmm, Like I had some roommates that were like super type A, like wanted everything perfectly clean. And then ones that were like the complete opposite and I'm somewhere in the middle. So it was like trying to navigate that. You know, there were times I guess where I did have to stand up for myself a little bit with the roommates, but I had I had a great group of girlfriends, and a lot of them were going through similar things as me at the time. Not necessarily divorce, but, like, they were, had gone through breakups, and so we could kind of commiserate with each other, and I felt like that was really helpful at the time. What was it like for you um, when you're going on uh, dates, and, like, were you quick to identify, like, this is a controlling issue or feature? How did you know what type of a match you wanted in terms of when you got married again? Yeah, this was a great question. So I made a, a list mm-hmm. and I still keep the list with me today. Like it's every now and on your husband's off. You're just like, yeah. um, excuse me, item four. Exactly. <laughs> like look at the list. Come on, get your act together. No. So I had like frivolous things on there, but then I had like three major points that I was looking for in a, in a mate. And like, along with like, I wanted him to have a great voice and I wanted him to, play the guitar like things like that that would be nice those were like kind of the frivolous thing the three major things I was looking for were I wanted him to be ambitious I wanted someone that I could see that was like making steps towards their future it didn't have to be like I wasn't necessarily looking for someone that was going to make a ton of money I wasn't like you know like that but I wanted someone that had ambition I wanted someone that had a testimony that was probably the most important thing to me and then I want someone who appreciated me and and treated me with respect. Mm-hmm. That was the third one. So I was like, you know, as long as he has these three things. And I honestly, it was amazing how many people did not fit into that. And I think some of that was seeing me as being divorced. I think some guys were like, oh, well, you've already done this and that. Like, you know, why not? And it's like. No, like I'm trying to. Mm-hmm. I think what some people don't realize is the intimate relationships, even if you've had something close to it before, it's still between you and that other person. It's not, I think if you were raised not uh, having physical relationships with multiple partners, then it it's still in your mind as like an exclusive type of event and seriousness mm-hmm. thing. And, and it's not something that you're casual about, but for whatever reason, it's looked at a little more black and white, like, well, if you've done this, then you surely just can, whatever, it doesn't matter to you anymore. It's like, that's just not how it is. It's like, once the floodgates are open, like, Mm -hmm. it's fair game. It's like, no, it's it's not how it works. So yeah, unfortunately, I would say LDS Singles was the site where I had the most guys that were, like, trying to take advantage of me in that way and, like, Mm -hmm. sending really inappropriate messages to me. And even a few guys I had gone on dates with trying to push things. And I think the more I got used to asserting myself and saying no, the more comfortable I became with it. Mm -hmm. And like, no, I'm not just going to go along with whatever the guy says because I want a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, what do I want? I need to put my foot down. Well, you built this great life yourself. So you're like, you need to enhance my life or add to it. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need you to give me food, shelter, clothing, yeah, and, right. you know, not that you did before, mm-hmm. but kind of trend sometimes when you transition from your parents' house to your married life, that dependency is what kind of keeps people in those relationships longer than mm-hmm. needed. And so you being able to recognize your own ambition and go start your own career and provide for yourself is probably a big part of your assertiveness journey. It sounds, seems like. Oh, I would totally agree with that. Cause it was like, if I could do this, then I can, you know, like when I just made the choice to finish my degree and when I got the job, it's all things that added to my sense of self and my confidence and that translated into the dating pool as well. Mm -hmm. And so like, yeah, it gave me more confidence. It also made me feel like, like I'm strong. I can do anything. Like Mm -hmm. I not, I don't know if I was to that point, (laughs) but like it did make me feel like I could, I could have my own voice. So tell us about meeting your husband. So you're going to laugh, but I met him on Tinder. 
This is like early Tinder days, right? This, this is like, before Tinder was the hookup app. Yeah. This is, like, well, this is when LDS Singles was the hookup website. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing about Tinder, like it had just started. Like this is 2013 when I met my husband. So Tinder was like brand new. But it, even then people did kind of say maybe it was kind of a hookup thing. Maybe not as much as it is now. Mm-hmm. I had never been on a dating app. And um, I had a roommate that was on there. And one night she was like, wouldn't it be funny if we like made you a Tinder profile? And I was like, oh, that would be kind of funny. But it was also at the time where I had like decided like I just kind of wanted to be single for a while. And I was kind of like comfortable in that place. And I was like not sure I wanted you know, to date seriously at the time. I think I was like... 26 at this point when I... Oh, so you're, like, ready to get your cats. <laughs> yeah, so old maid there. Yeah, totally. No, um, I was a baby. So we connected, and it was kind of funny because we connected on Tinder. So he, he was doing um, post-graduate studies, and I was in Utah, and... So we kind of did long distance a little bit. Was that okay? Like, did he come out here to take you on a date or was it like? We actually only talked on the phone at this point. Mm -hmm. And then um, I actually ended up starting to date someone else. As you do. As you do. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, I'm going to be honest with him. So I told him, you know, I'm I'm in a relationship. Like, I, you know, I'm going to have to stop talking with you. So... Um, I was in this other relationship for maybe like six months. It wasn't super serious, but so this relationship ends and I changed my status on Facebook, like old school, change it to single. And I had been friends with this, my current husband on Facebook. So Mm -hmm. he saw that. And got in my DMs or my Facebook messenger. I love it. It was like, hey, what are you doing? What are you up to? And I wasn't sure. Like like I said, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be in a relationship at that point. So I kind of made him wait. (laughs) So it had been like six months. I was dating the other person. And then I think it was another like three or four months before I like met up with him. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he took me on a date. We went to um, downtown and went out to dinner and just walked around like the mall. And so at first, I kind of want to highlight one thing because yeah. obviously, her husband's awesome. Yes, he's patient, and that seems like a really different characteristic. Like he he knew he wanted to take you out. He was happy or available, but it wasn't like you're going out with the other guy and he's still like, no, you know, no, you need to go with me. You need to go with mm-hmm. me. Like I'm better. Or when you're back being single and you're like, I need some time. He's like, you don't need any time. You just need me, babe. You know, (laughs) like he was patient. He was very patient. And I think that goes into your considerate and caring about you, taking care of you. Yeah. Yeah. He made me feel so appreciated. And uh, doing the long distance thing, he would send me care packages. Like he, he homemade, he made homemade cookies and, like, he would find, like, a little keychain from where, you know, he was living. And, like, he would just make, like, little care packages and send them to me. That's cute. Um, he made a little, like, sign for me to put on my desk in my classroom. Like, he was just really sweet. Um, so it kind of started in my mind. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can give this guy a chance. Because I was very just, like, I wanted to just continue to learn more about myself. And I, I was Did you ever feel like, oh, he's so good. That's kind of boring. <laughs> There was a part of me because, like, you know, I was just having fun dating and it was like, he did. He really had everything together. Honestly, one of the things that made me worried was that he, one of the things that made me a little worried was that he, his taste in music was a little different (laughs) from mine. He liked Taylor Swift. At the time, I was, like, way into, like, alternative and, like, rock. Wait, wait, like, what kind of, give me some bands. Oh, like... Offspring and Blink One Eighty Two, like all those things. So nostalgic. Like, you like, you like Taylor Swift. Like I was like, give me some T Swift any day. So right. now she I love going it. We can jam out to it. He really made me feel appreciated. Um, the when we did start to date um, in person, one thing he always did at the end of each date would plan would be when can I see you again? Let's let's set the date for our next date. Mm-hmm. 
which was smart on his part. Um, so that was something, and maybe he learned that from his mission. <laughs> but he always well, I think it. it's a secure attachment trait because it doesn't. What, dating is supposed to build anticipation. So here's your inside scoop from the dating counselor. <laughs> dating is supposed to build anticipation, and if you wait too long. Uh, the anticipation kind of builds and then falls apart. And if you go too quickly, there's not enough time to build the anticipation. So lots of anxiety and doubt can kind of come in. So when you set something up, it's like, I can look forward to it, but I don't have to wonder if it's going to happen. And I don't also have to react to like, well, this is happening really fast. Yeah. And like, having dated for a little while after my divorce, like I was kind of tired of the games. Yeah. And so he was very much like, I like you. I want to take you on another date. And so that gave me confidence. Like, well, it gives you space to be like, oh, you like me? That feels good. And you're romantically interested in me. Mm-hmm. And so now I can kind of explore what that feels like to be liked by you. Yeah. And I felt safe with him. Like, you know, in times where we were physical, he would be like, he knew what the stopping point was for him and and what where my comfort level was. And he'd be like, okay. Or if it was getting too late, he'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to go home. Like, you know, and so he was very good, like, mm-hmm. at um, keeping us in line that way, too. I think when you both have your eyes on that and are, are protecting the relationship in that way, then it doesn't make it just one person's quote unquote burden to kick you out and make you feel stupid. You know, exactly. Like, I think if you're always the one that has to say no, like your will can get broken down sometimes mm-hmm. because you just get tired of having to say no, mm-hmm. you know? And so you're like, okay, I just want to make that other person happy. That was something I really appreciate because it also made me feel like he respected me mm-hmm. and he, you know, he didn't just view me as an object. Like he, mm-hmm. um, he was interested in me and we had a lot of fun together and doing things, you know, getting out and exploring and doing things together where we weren't just like sitting watching a movie all the time. For yeah, everybody. I was going to say, so how did you discover <laughs> that he was a good match for you and what made you feel confident? Like if I marry him, it's likely to turn out in the way that I had hoped and anticipated the last time. I think just like we had lots of conversations because part of our courtship was long distance. And so we just, you know, through those conversations, we realized like we had the same priorities. Like we had a lot of the same interests. Um, I did like some country music. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> he's very much like a country boy. Um, we both valued education. And so we could relate on that point. Like he was very proud that I had finished my degree and that I was a teacher and, you know, he, he was so supportive. Like, he would even come to my classroom sometimes and, like, help out. Like, it was really just, it was sweet. And and <laughs> even some of the, like, some of my coworkers, they were like, don't let this one go. Like, they yes. could see it. <laughs> they were like, he's a good one. You it know? seems like that's a different experience than before where people were like, I'm trying to be so happy for you versus, like, mm-hmm. please don't mess this up. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I, listen to the people around you. Listen to your support group. If you know they have your best interest at heart, really listen to them. Um, sometimes when you're in it, you can just be kind of blinded. And when I brought him home to meet my family, like, they all loved him. Like, he got along with them. Like, there wasn't this weird, like, like in the past where I'd had, where there was kind of this dark cloud over it. So now we've been married for seven years, <laughs> and um, I would say that um, this marriage compared to where I was before, um, there's just a lot more um, confidence in in him. And like I talked bef- earlier about how um, in my first marriage, there was always this feeling of, well, what is he doing? Like, I need to check his search history. I need to investigate. Like, I was never settled when we were away. Like, I just felt like um, there was something going on. And I don't feel that way. Like, it's hard to describe, but there's just a feel, a deep feeling of trust. Mm-hmm. And part of that is that he's a very good communicator, you know, and if there is something that, you know, that's very small that, you know, happens or someone says something that's inappropriate or different thing, like he just, he tells me or I tell him and it's like, it's very safe. Mm-hmm. And I feel like having a marriage where you do, you do have that trust and you do feel safe, like it can flourish so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like not having trust is like, it's kind of a wet blanket on a marriage. Mm-hmm. So what were some of the 
things that you thought about that got you through the post-divorce dating life? For me, I mean, I wasn't divorced, but but I but my twenties being such a hard dating experience, one of the things that kept me swiping or going on it wasn't swiping it was it was websites but like they kept me going out one of the things kept me going out and trying again was thinking for me like I really do want to have a family and I know that's not in the cards for everybody like I'm not saying that that has to be the thing um and so I kind of thought okay I want a family but if that doesn't happen like let's say that um I age out of that I want to be married because there's growth that happens inside of a marriage that I don't think I'll get other places. So that kind of became my, my leading reason. What, what got you through? What was like your, this is why I'm going to do this to myself. Kind of yeah. thing. I know sometimes you question like, why am I putting myself through all of this? Mm-hmm. I think it was my faith and knowing that, you know, I did want an eternal marriage. Mm-hmm. I think that was the driving force behind all of it. Like I, I wanted an eternal marriage, and uh, along with that, I did want children. Came from a big family. I didn't know how many children I wanted, and I, at the same time, like if I didn't have children, I feel like I still I wanted that eternal companion, mm-hmm. and so that was kind of my driving force. Mm-hmm. I wanted someone to you know be able to go on adventures with, and I wanted you know someone to grow with, and someone that would challenge me, and like mm-hmm. I I feel like he very much does that. Like he's, he's someone that has kind of a growth mindset. And so that kind of encourages me to keep being my better self. Mm-hmm. I think that's when you know you're in a marriage that feels secure and flourishing because you blossom and they blossom and you kind of grow in ways that you didn't know you even were going to or had the potential to. Mm-hmm. And you go through those hard things together and are able to discuss the pros and cons and like this is something that we could both work on together or where we can grow as a family and I think that when you create that safety inside of the relationship that's where you kind of create that power couple status Mm -hmm. and not that it's status what I mean by that is just for yourselves where you're just like let's go do this life like we can we can make it through and we can tackle things and and I always say this too to my listeners have heard this before but when you're making that decision to be married, there's a lot of unknowns. And so one of the questions I encourage you to ask is, whatever happens in life, I want to go through it with that person. Mm-hmm. And do you have enough information to be able to answer that as conclusively as possible? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like they're the person that you want to turn to for comfort and for laughter, for the highs and lows, and vice versa? Mm-hmm. Are you offering that to them? Yeah, definitely. So any last thoughts before... I guess my my closing thoughts, just that it's worth putting the time in to discover yourself and to to find what um, you truly want and to go for it. And I feel like I found that in my current marriage. And I feel like having gone through all those experiences along the way taught me like to be assertive even in my relationship now. And so like when there are little things that make me uncomfortable or different things, maybe in my last marriage, I would have been like, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to garbage bag my feelings and put my feelings aside. Cause I very much just was a people pleaser. But now I feel like having gone through all these experiences along the way, I'm very like, no, this makes me uncomfortable. Like, let's talk about it. And I know the value in like having open communication with your partner. And so I, It's sometimes when you go through hard things, you're like, man, I wish I never would have gone through that. But honestly, like looking back 10 years since my divorce this year has been 10 years now. I'm like, I'm glad I went through that. And I feel like a lot of the things I went through were really challenging. And like, I feel like I'm just now like finding out who I am and I'm in a really good place. And so I'm grateful for all of it. I think that's beautifully said. And when you know that you've done a lot of good work is when you look back and you think of your journey more than what the obstacles were. Yeah. Do you, one more question. Do you consider yourself a divorced person or you, does that like leave your mind now? It's funny because my husband, every once in a while when like it does get brought up, my husband's like, sometimes I forget that you were married before Mm because this is the first marriage for him. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I still do identify that way because I feel like I earned that. Like, it's something that I went through and I will always 
like a Look like a badge him. of honor in yeah, a way. Yeah, like mm-hmm. like it's some it really is like a battle that you survive and I feel like it's something that I will always it'll be a part of me. It's ingrained in my identity. Mm-hmm. Um but it's not my whole identity. Like I don't well, think about it all the it, time. You, you turn it into the growth mindset identity, not necessarily the scarlet letter like it felt mm-hmm. at first. Yeah, and I don't view myself as like a victim. Like I I view myself as like I'm strong. I made it through this hard thing. And I feel like maybe the culture around divorce has changed a little bit now where even in the 10 years since I've been divorced, now you say you're divorced and it's like, oh, okay, like, and people are more willing to talk about or it. Or they'll be like, I was too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like maybe back right when I did get divorced in 2011, it was kind of like a taboo subject still mm-hmm. back then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I maybe knew like one or two people that had been divorced, so now it's like something that, you know, when I enter a new ward or I meet new friends, I'm like, do I bring it up? And I'm like, yeah, it's part of my story. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to navigate eventually how to talk to my kids about it. I haven't told them yet, but I feel like eventually that'll be a, a discussion that we have. But it's kind of like any other parts of your story, though, as you share what your growth was, they'll understand it at the age that they do. And then as they age and they recognize your strength, they'll notice you for your strength more than anything and they'll they'll go wait so that's who you were at that time and look how you are now and so they recognize what ambition looks like and what um transformation and growth look like and how you don't always just stay at one point you grow that's the point that's the goal i hope i hope they look at me that way um they they already do (laughs) so it's, you know, it'll be all worth it if I can look back and say, you know, this, and maybe it could be, you know, I, I hope that I can teach them things I learned through those challenging times and, and teach them to um, have confidence and to speak their mind. And yeah, maybe you won't be so mad you know? when they're super assertive, right? <laughs> like, You're I don't like, want to raise... Good job. Yes. Thank you for telling me your truth. <laughs> exactly. Like, I feel like they already are stubborn, and mm-hmm. so maybe they won't have those problems, but... Well, thanks so much for joining me. And I hope that all of you listeners out there really got a lot out of this. I know I sure did. And I'm, I know of people that I've spoken to over my career, that this particular podcast will hopefully give their heart a hug and help them to feel connected to the growth that they have been on and feel really encouraged by the good men that are out there, um, the good women that are out there, and feeling really connected to their their journey and just continuing to move forward so thanks for joining us and we look forward to having you next time thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the dating counselor podcast i'm lonnie Harmon, and i am a licensed clinical social worker i'm on a mission to help singles navigate the modern dating world you can learn more about my course foundations for modern dating at the datingcounselor.com slash courses You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, or Facebook at The Dating Counselor, or email me at Lonnie, L-O-N-I, at thedatingcounselor.com. You'll find a full list of everything mentioned in this episode in the show notes at thedatingcounselor.com slash podcast. If you have a friend who would enjoy this episode, I would love if you pass it along. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss out on any of the upcoming episodes. Thank you again for tuning in. See you soon.